Welcome to season two of the Nerd Review. This is a show where we talk about movies, TV shows, video games, books, and comic books. Today you are listening to episode seven, and we're going to be talking about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. So it is the horror adaptation of Winnie the Pooh. But before we jump into that, we're going to talk about the history of Winnie the Pooh, the background, and the road to how we got to this new interpretation of Winnie the Pooh. So let's jump into that now. I have so many fond memories of Winnie the Pooh that I absolutely cherish from my childhood. And as I say this, the irony is not lost on me that we're about to talk about a homicidal version of my beloved childhood character. But I digress. We will we'll get to all the blood and honey mayhem in a moment. But first, let's talk about Winnie the Pooh and the gang and the magical hundred acre woods that it all took place in. So, I, like I said, I was a huge fan of Winnie the Pooh. I had the VHS tapes, multiple stuffed Pooh bears. I had Piglet, Tigger, the whole gang. Uh, it was so much fun to play make-believe with those stuffed plushed animals and uh, play along with the idea that they were, you know, all springing to life. And it was, it was so much fun. Uh, and I have so many fond memories of that. Uh, my favorite by far, uh, I remember I had this one Pooh Bear uh, that had this uh, pot of honey. And in his hand, he had this, like, it was the spoon. And it, it was made of plastic, but it, like, it looked like wood. And if you touch the spoon to the honey pot, uh, he would talk about uh, how good the honey was and if you tapped the spoon without any honey he would go oh bother i've got a rumbly in my tumbly this was this was absolutely the funnest thing uh, my five-year-old self had ever heard uh alas i don't have any of these uh, stuffed poos anymore uh yet another thing sitting in my ebay watched items list uh, i'm pretty sure that cart is up to a few thousand dollars worth of nostalgic 90s kids toys that i just i want them so bad though i I do still have one uh, pretty cool Winnie the Pooh collectible. Uh, I have this really beautiful hardcover collection of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, it collects all the original stories by A.A. Uh, a. Milne, uh, written almost a hundred years ago. Uh, this is a reprint of the collection of the Disney from Disney, of course. It has the original uh, iconic illustrations done by E.H. Shepard. Um, and it, it's mind-boggling to think that it's been 97 years since Milne wrote those first Winnie the Pooh stories. Um, and it's incredible that they're, like, he wrote those stories based on his own son, Christopher Robin. Uh, that's the titler cat, you know, the, well, not the titler character, but uh, that's Winnie the Pooh is the titler character. Um, but, uh, you know, like his, the, the main character of the, the stories, like you could say, was, was Christopher Robin. It was his toys, and you know, that was that were coming to life. Um, and that was, that was his son names, Milne, uh, A.A. Milne, his son's name was Christopher Robin. Uh, and it was based on his son and his toys. Um, and one of those toys that just so happened to include this stuffed teddy bear named Winnie the Pooh. Um, and I, I, I find that amazing. I also find always find myself wondering though, like, what if what if Christopher Robin's bear wasn't named Winnie? Is like, is there another timeline where it's Wilfred the Pooh, or maybe like Winifred the Pooh? I, lo I love good multiverse theory. Uh, but like, like jokes aside, it's this humble and earnest background. I, I read during my research that Milne's intention and motivation was to create a world of imagination and wonder for children, uh, one that would inspire them to explore their own imaginations and create their own stories. He wanted to capture this innocent, joyful spirit of childhood. And it's, I mean, it's just so poetic. I mean, he succeeded brilliantly with Winnie the Pooh stories. It's exactly 
what I remember and what I was saying about my most fond memories of Winnie the Pooh are those hours spent playing make-believe with my very own Pooh Bear, creating my very own stories around these charming characters who cared about their friends and have adventures, have these adventures around the woods. Um, it's amazing still that kids can relate to these stories, considering, I mean, how different life was 97 years ago. But it also highlights that some of those, uh, some of those simple things in life, uh, a child and their favorite stuffed animal and the magic that surrounds them is timeless. So I think that's, it's like I said, it's poetic. It's amazing. And, you know, that's what I remember most about Winnie the Pooh. Um, you know, he was a stuffed bear safety blanket that allowed me to fuel my imagination. Um, and I mean, that is until the other night. I have a whole new set of memories of Winnie the Pooh bear now, but like, those are kind of messed up. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, like, I, I, the, like I said, the irony's not lost on me that we're about to review the, the homicidal rage monster that has been the new incarnation of Winnie the Pooh, but we're getting to that. Um, cause I, but I think, like, jokes aside, like I said, I think A.A. Milne deserves some credit and a few minutes of you know this episode though just just to like take take a moment to appreciate what he was able to uh, capture and bottle this this real world magic that his son saw in those childhood toys and shared those whimsical adventures with the world and and so many generations of kids have enjoyed the stories of Winnie the Pooh because of his writings which is incredible and it's worth mentioning and remembering the the real world people who create the wonderful stories we all get to enjoy and we get to grow up with them that's for me that's a huge part of what makes movies and tv shows and books and comics and everything i've talked about in every episode of the nerd review there's something so interesting and captivating that every single story picture every frame of a video game has to be thought up written drawn or, or programmed by somebody or a whole team of individuals uh you know possibly spread out over the whole world even across time some of them have worked on the same franchise the same characters and they've been part of creating a legacy that has become like a lifeline you know for someone struggling or they've just been a part of their best memories of childhood and for anyone's creation you know everyone's character to still be popular to be part of culture almost a hundred years later is absolutely amazing and since 1926 that little yellow bear and all of his friends have become such an iconic classic and beloved character for both kids and adults uh, you know like myself I grew up with Winnie the Pooh in those movies and those stories and to this day uh, I cherish it and I, I, I love this new interpretation and like I said we're gonna get to that don't worry uh, it's amazing to think of all the generations who've been able to experience Winnie the Pooh from those first stories that were published uh, in the London Evening News they were just a, a series of stories and later collected and reprinted as the first book the Winnie the Pooh with the hyphens in between uh, to the sequels and then the Disney acquisition in 1961 and the adaptation of the stories into animated features released in the 60s and into the 70s to this day one of my favorite kids movies is Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2 uh, which was released in 1974 it would be almost 30 years old by the time I would start to see it I would start to say that, that I would watch this uh, in the late 90s and uh, Disney wasn't done yet going into 
of the 80s there was the animated series the new adventures of winnie the pooh uh, which aired on the disney afternoons which was a two-hour programming block that ran on upn abc and cbs and it's amazing these these things like programming blocks and i mean i mean technically yeah they do still exist if you have like traditional cable but i, I haven't had traditional cable since 2009 so like the the it's just like a fond memory of mine it's it's years years ago uh the last time i had to you know see the like a bumper or something i just i just been created a gift the other day of a, of a bumper for tgif because i was explaining to a colleague of mine uh what tgif was and I, and I realized i couldn't find a proper gift so i just i made one and and then i was looking up like all these tv bumpers and stuff and and it's like i haven't seen one of these in so long like i see the netflix intro but it's not it doesn't hit the same it's like the, the from the teletoon special when i was making uh that i was looking at all these different teletoon bumpers uh for in between the episodes and stuff and it's just there's something special about about uh about something like the, the i'm getting a little tongue-tied um i'm gonna cut that out something special about those bumpers that you grew up with and it's funny to say that these bumpers you grew up with these tv ads these spots these 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 creations uh these little artworks you know they they these little segments they stick with you and and they, yeah the t- disney hour afternoons uh, they had the winnie the pooh uh the new adventures of winnie the pooh it ran from uh 1988 to 1991 uh and then it would live on in syndication uh for years to come by by the late 90s early 2000s when again when i entered the scene and start enter you know in consuming all of this kid entertainment uh you know again winnie the pooh was already getting an update treatment from disney and that's when they release a handful of new movies including my second favorite uh, the tigger movie clearly i was a tigger fan i grew up in a household of cats um though surprisingly none of the cats were ever named tigger actually small cat related tangent all of our cats were named after cars uh we had mercedes and bentley and then dakota and diesel and our current feline fur babies are hemi which is short for hemisphere hemispherical engine something like that like what you have like you have six hemis or something or you have like a hemi engine that's whatever uh and lexi short for lexus uh but okay back to winnie winnie and friends now of course over the years i lost interest in winnie the pooh though i will say i i do frequently use the abbreviation in text uh, ttfn tata for now uh, i always i always liked that instead of like bye or you know whatever especially when we started texting and everything became shorthand i like ttfn um i do say oh bother uh at work or you know like on an email sometimes when i'm chatting with the guys in it uh if, if a user has done something uh specifically moronic that day uh, i might reply with a good oh bother and i love the use of gifs and the inclusion of gif keyboards now um because i could literally just say like i can send like a little tigger gif saying ttfn or i could send a little winnie the pooh going oh bother you know like i just i love that uh but i was no longer the target demographic for winnie the pooh and you know for the last 20 something years i barely heard anything about the franchise uh i assumed there was new movies and you know tv shows being made as is the case with most franchises um that was until last year when i came across an article about uh quote winnie the pooh blood and honey a nightmare reimagining of the beloved bear that was that was the name of the IGN article and I, I was hooked right away as I've said on many occasions I'm a huge horror fan uh, I began my own tradition sneaking out of my room for secret 
R-rated 1 a.m. viewings from the family VHS collection. These are things you could do when your TV unit was like on the like the second floor or in the basement or something or like far enough away from the rooms of everybody else that you're not going to wake anybody up if you sit directly in front of the TV. Uh, so like, though I was never in my wildest dreams that I think I would have the pleasure of watching a beloved childhood character turned into a raging murder monster. A premise I I do strongly feel myself and others of my generation were predestined to enjoy. And I, I will explain that vis-a-vis -vis the following. <laughs> uh, we, that that is my brother, friends, and people born around the mid to late 90s, uh, we got to grow up, we got to grew up, <laughs> we got to grow up with series and some really wild things like uh, Happy Tree Friends. If you aren't familiar, pause this right now, pause the podcast, quickly YouTube, Happy Tree Friends, watch a couple of the videos, they're short, they're short videos, um, and then come back, okay? I'm gonna wait. So, okay, I, I, I assume you've done that, I assume you just paused, and you watched at least one video, like I said, they're like five minutes, maybe 10 minutes max. Now, Happy Tree Friends is a series, like if you, okay, so if you if you decided not to watch it, um, if you're in the car, maybe you're like, you're you're running or you're jogging, you're an active person, good for you. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, Happy Tree Friends is a series of animated shorts intended, intended uh, for a mature audience. Uh, we were not a mature audience, let me tell you, uh, in the early 2000s. It, it, they came out in 1999, uh, probably sometime around video sharing on the internet so like 2004 2005 i'm still in like elementary school i'm in fifth grade um i'm like 10 11 years old uh they they come out and they become super popular and what they what they are what happy tree friends is were these cute animals that get royally fucked up and i'm talking like exploding heads lit on fire skewered to death by a vending machine that fell over or being run over by a cuddly, cute, moronic moose on a riding lawnmower. <laughs> like, it was a hilariously violent animated bloodbath, and we fucking loved it. To this day, the Happy Tree Friends jingle, this jingle, I'm gonna put it right here. <laughs> It still makes me laugh so hard, and now I just want to binge 40 minutes of mindless cartoon mayhem. Uh, now, all, all this to say that spending hours watching these accident-prone adorable munchkins get creamed in a variety of comical manners, uh, in my expert opinion, was the seedlings of my fandom for cartoon violence and comedic violence and animation. Uh, you know, like series like Paradise PD and My Little Demon, which is, you know, a newer series and just just like constant, you know, characters being blown up and, and just wild antics that you can never do in live action because obviously you can't blow up all your characters and it costs a fortune. So 
I I loved uh, this, and this is which which circles back to my statement that these type of series, Happy Tree Friends, stuff like that, they became such a phenomenon among my age group. They proliferated. People continued to make these violent animations that I was already a fan of the idea of taking cute, lovable childhood characters and making them into bloodthirsty rage demons. It's an appealing premise. Hence, predestined to enjoy this movie and movies in this genre. So, like, I mean, think Chucky. I mean, it's a really good example of a similar concept. It's a child's play doll that is possessed and murders people. And what an absolutely banging series Chucky is. I mean, am I right? I'm right. Like, I know I'm right. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, upon further reading, it turned out like that article that I was talking about, right? So there was like, Blood and Mayhem is coming to, you know, theaters near you if you're lucky enough to have uh, a screening near you. And I was not, so I I had to uh, pirate the movie, and I apologize to if anybody if anybody from the production team is listening, which, I mean, I hope you are. Um, I, I loved your movie, and I will buy it when it's available on DVD, but there was no screenings available in my area, so I was very disappointed. So, um, But let's, let's backtrack. Uh, so upon reading and further research, it turned out that Winnie the Pooh had left copyright protection earlier in 2022, in uh, January of 2022. Uh, which opens a whole other can of worms, which is what is public domain and why does it matter? Uh, so as uh, a brief ex explanation for anyone who isn't familiar with these concepts, in simple terms, um, the public domain refers to creative works uh, such as books, music, artwork, and films that are not protected by copyright. This means that anyone can use, copy, modify, and distribute these works freely without needing to ask permission missions or pay royalties to the original creator or owner. Uh, in most countries, copyright lasts for the lifetime of the creator plus a certain number of years after their death. Uh, if it's a corporation, it's just like a set 95 years. And so now after which the work enters the public domain. Now there's a ton of information about uh, copyright and I'll, I'll refer you to a super informative video. Um, it's super informative. It was very informative to me um, that about copyright copyright law by cpg gray he's a creator on youtube that i follow it's not a paid promotion or anything it just happens to be the video that i like to refer people to it's about five minutes it's very digestible um what it comes down to and how it pertains to winnie the pooh is that a.a milne first published winnie the pooh in 1926 right we mentioned it's 97 years so now under the copyright protection of 1909 stipulated that it was protected for 95 years after publication so in 2022 it means it is no longer under copyright. Now, this doesn't mean that everything related to Winnie the Pooh is up for grabs. Um, corporations have pushed the government to increase the terms of copyright protection. Um, some say in a clear effort to protect their future earnings and not in an effort to, cre uh, to promote creativity and inspire young authors and artists, which is a heated debate amongst uh, scholars of copyright law and intellectual property and all of these things that you hope in when you look into what copyright and public domain is. Um, in the case of Winnie the Pooh, all the original stories 
characters settings are now copyright free. However, anything that Disney worked on starting in 1961 have copyright protection for another 95 years. The this includes the animated version of Tigger, like as just an example whose copyright won't end until sometime roughly until like 2056. Um, so it gets very complicated. I mean, uh, copyright is like a complex legal onion. Like it, it has many layers, but like, so to suffice to say, uh, like Winnie the Pooh and certain characters are now in the public domain and there are some freedoms to rework and remake these characters into new stories. So that's where we enter Winnie the Pooh blood and honey <laughs> so let's so let's like like let's actually jump into this movie now written produced and directed by Rise Frake Waterfield who according to interviews grew up watching Winnie the Pooh and has always considered himself a fan uh, Rise and his business partner Scott Jeffrey they founded Jagged, Ed Pro Jagged Edge Productions in 2020 and they began releasing uh, low budget films such as the Area 51 Incident and Spider in the Attic both both of which uh, Rise Frick Waterfield wrote and directed as well. And both of those movies were uh, received favorably. They had, uh, ab you know, above average reviews from their, you know, their circles and their circuit. Uh, you know, these movies aren't trying to compete with your, you know, your tentpole uh, blockbuster movies. They're low budgets under $100,000. Uh, you know, they're using their own money. They're sourcing, they're, they're finding investors and they're putting out really solid product with a attention to detail and attention on cinematography and lighting and all of these things that sometimes get overlooked in this uh, lower, you know, this, if you want to call them B movies, but just low budget films, independent films. Um, and they're gems. Honestly, these guys are making gems and each of their movies is just getting better and better. And this last one is finally getting some of the praise and attention that it really deserves. And uh, so like, as I was, you know, there's some interviews and, uh, you know, readings and stuff uh, on the subject of why Winnie the Pooh, uh, Freck Waterfield had this to say in a quote, uh, we always want to pick something that's very hooky. We want to create a product which instantly stands out. And when people see it, they go, what the hell is that? <laughs> so he goes on to say, uh, I'm a massive fan of horror. Uh, when I knew that this was in the public domain, suddenly the sparks started flying. I was like, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see Winnie the Pooh as a horror. So we thought, okay, let's just go for it, uh, which is amazing. And after penning the script himself, uh, work began on casting the roles, which actually turned out to be uh, pretty hard, according to him, uh, according to Frank Waterfield, the director and producer and writer. Uh, they were turned down by many of the actors they approached. Uh, eventually, they did find a cast of just super talented young thespians who were absolutely beautiful god damn young people are gorgeous these days when i was in high school and and my late teens early 20s no one looked like that so okay, so uh so finally they got a good cast together uh nikolai leon as christopher robin who gave a superb performance he was crying on cue complete complete hysterics on cue really and he he really sold being terrified which as as like a young 
like I said, as a young thespian uh, in the craft, like it's, just, it's really nice to see that uh, that level of, of of talent and performance. And they they stepped into these these roles, these maybe comical roles that were uh, you know like other people turned down. And these guys they they stepped up to what they uh, what they signed in for, and they did a really good job. And it just goes into many of the things that I that I'm praised about this movie that I really enjoyed. Uh, and then the man behind the terrifying poo mask was David Dowsett, um, who's over six feet tall something that uh waterfield wanted he specifically wanted for uh Pooh to make him uh intimidating and menacing as possible which absolutely uh this is not our cuddly poo bear that's for sure the the rest of the cast was fantastic uh i i watched an interview uh with one of the young thespians uh amber thorne she plays uh alice in the movie and her performance was amazing she's some uh great interactions with Pooh and piglet and a spectacular performance really uh like i said i love this entire movie so i mean okay let's let's talk about the movie uh the the movie was was fantastic it was it was just freaking fantastic that's that's what i have to say about it uh frank waterfield uh, frank waterfield uh, had a vision for the film and and he clearly understood horror having you know already you know dabbled in the field and and produced and directed the the two films prior uh he he under he, he's you know he even said in in interviews there's an attention on cinematography uh that he you know he understands and he he goes out and and tries to the, put the effort in to make it as polished as possible and to appeal to the the wide cinema audiences that you know they expect these hollywood budget movies with this amazing cinematography and camera work and you know it's a lot of experience too and having you know a high budget gives you access to great cameras and stuff and then you have to, you know, if you don't have that budget and stuff, you have to blend your experience and then you have to be savvy. You have to know, you know, have to know how to make something look a certain way when you don't have the easy tech to, you know, like flip a switch or pay somebody to make it look good. Um, so he had this, this, this vision. And I mean, the cinematography is really good. The camera movement is smooth. Uh, the lighting and color created this distinct atmosphere for each of the settings. Um, so let's, let's talk about the movie the movie opens with this pen sketched of this alternate version of of the Christopher Robin story and his friends in the 800 acre woods uh one where he he meets this half animal these half animal half human hybrids in the wood uh very sweet tooth and he befriends these hybrid children uh after years of friendship Christopher you know he has to leave for college and he hopes his friends Pooh and Owl and Bear and Piglet uh Pooh and Bear Pooh <laughs> Pooh Owl Rabbit and Piglet uh, they can do well without him. Now, unfortunately, it's not the case. The hundred acre word, the hundred acre woods, uh, they're not full of game or food and, and stuff like that. Times get tough for the gang. And so Pooh, uh, he makes the decision, he makes a tough decision to kill and eat Eeyore. That poor bastard never stood a chance. <laughs> this entire opening sequence uh really sets up the creep factor you know uh the penned drawings have these shapes and proportions of the the original illustrations of e.h shepherd as per the copyright stipulations um except now they're all like creepy and lanky and and now after christopher robin leaves they become like thin and you can see their like their ribs and they're even more like gonk gonky and lank i think that's a word uh, and lanky and it, it's super fucking creepy um so a 
as the story goes, after killing and eating Eeyore, uh, they become mad. They renounce humanity, vowing never to talk again, and they embrace their animalistic natures. Now, after this uh, pen section, we cut five years later. It's an older for Christopher Robin. Uh, he's about to uh, finish college, and he's about to marry his gal Mary. <laughs> the character's name is Mary. Uh, played by Paula Quez, who he loves very much, and she gives a great performance, by the way. Um, she's just not in the movie for very long. Spoil there's Obviously, there's going to be a little bit of spoilers. Uh, she's not in the movie for very long. I'll try to limit the spoilers. I'm try sorry, I'll, I'll try to limit the spoilers. Uh, I'm not going to give away the ending or all the manners of death stuff like that i'll talk about what i like and and why i love this movie so much but i'm not gonna spoil the movie uh too much there's gonna be a few spoilers um so he loves her very much and loving lovingly tells her you know she gets a bit spooked out in the woods he's taking her to see uh you know the hundred acre woods and introduce her to his old friend because he wants to prove that he's not crazy and that these creatures these these you know these animal people they existed and that he you know he wasn't making it up he wasn't playing make-believe um so she gets a bit creeped out it's it's the forest it's a bit rainy it's overcast uh it's england it's always like that <laughs> she was uh so so he tells her lovingly that uh she will be all right and that he's he's gonna protect her well she's gonna be the first to die slasher movie rules man you're the reason Pooh bear is killing everyone and you're going to pay for that uh so like uh, sorry bud i don't make the rules but i do enjoy watching them be brutally upheld by the absolutely terrifying antagonists of the pop popular fr slasher franchises i'm getting tongue-tied again so uh <laughs> she dies is what i'm saying uh Pooh and piglet make very good use of chains in this movie and mary bites it in like 10 minutes uh like in the, at the 10 minute marker and it just ramps up from there i i loved everything here as they explore uh the old tree house and the forest and there was just there's so much attention to detail and it all adds to the creep factor the empty mason jars of honey that are tipped over the unnoticed human skull on the pile of firewood eeyore's grave that's you know he just literally just says like rest in peace eeyore uh, so like Christopher Robin, uh, he doesn't escape who are a piglet, uh, who is not a piglet anymore and is just like a full grown six foot pig behemoth with these gnarly tusks and swinging a sledgehammer like a nightmare version of bebop it, it's amazing uh we, we get a really good horror movie newspaper headline montage right after this very harry potter in the order of the phoenix and i'm like a hundred percent certain there are other horror movies that have like done this too but i couldn't find anything while googling it's one of those things where it's just like it's too specific to google it, it's the worst uh so so like the headlines are all about people going missing around the hundred acre woods so like christopher robin showed up piss them off and now people are going missing no bodies are being found and people you know the police are being baffled by this string of disappearance um and then as it uh, as it opens up we're introduced to the main cast so there's this like newspaper montage all of this happens very well paced it's like 15 20 minutes they did the opening sketch in like two minutes not even um they have the interaction between christopher robin and mary and it's a very they don't really show you much of 
of poo and piglet at this point you see like their leg because it's kind of like in the not the, not like a first person perspective or a pov or anything but they're focusing on christopher and mary uh who are trying to like hide and so like they're they're under the bed and you see you see like big black boots and you see the overalls or you see something like that and then you like you see the chain and you see the hands but you don't really see the face because because christopher robin was still like hiding behind a car sort of thing uh it's very well teased out uh and and so now at this point now we're introduced after the news scroll like i was saying uh now we're introduced to the main cast uh maria played by maria taylor which i i always always makes me wonder if the character was named that and then they just so happened to cast somebody with that name or like did they change the character name i always i always wonder when that happens uh she gave a great performance uh now in uh, the character maria is dealing with some trauma and at the device the device at the advice of her therapist uh she's getting some time away a girl's weekend at a nice country cottage that unfortunately for her and her gal pals is right up against the hundred acre woods uh super unfortunate and at the house uh finally when they they get to the house we meet the rest of the cast jessica alex uh, Alice, sorry, that's uh, that was uh, Amber Thorne. The, I watched some of uh, her interviews and behind-the-scenes stuff for my research part of the podcast. Uh, Laura and Zoe. Uh, so th- the first thing I did was try to suss out who was going to be the final girl. And if you're not a like a slasher horror fan or you aren't familiar with that title, the final girl is the one who survives the slasher attack, who kills the ghost face, defeats Freddy, or chains jason to a rock at the bottom of crystal lake uh they are the final girl there's there's actually a movie on netflix called final girls i believe it's, it's a horror comedy 100 percent recommend this uh but i digress the girls arrive and they're waiting for a sixth friend tina but tina ain't coming uh she's gotten lost and wanders into the hundred acre woods now unfortunately for tina she crossed paths with Pooh, uh who we finally get a good look at Oh, the, the six foot tall, like overall clad nightmare fuel that is Winnie the fucking Pooh. That face is absolutely haunting, just completely haunting. There are scenes when he's just shoving honey in his face and there's there's blood splattered all over his face at this point and the honey is just dripping and ugh, it gives me it gives me shivers. It was it was unnerving. Um the the scenes were were expertly shot and they really captured this like warped mind of this incarnation of Pooh. You know, he's he's there like just like guzzling honey and he's you know been eating people uh, completely cut off from society and humanity it's it's it was super well done yeah it, I, I could gush i could c- continue to gush forever it was so well done so the movie has a uh, 84 minute runtime and it doesn't waste a second of it tina had no hopes of escaping poo and <laughs> like i can understand why the the cast would have i'll, I'll get to it but there was the thing about the cast having a trouble to get through any of the scenes with poo so like tina had no es- hopes of escaping poo like yeah that made that made me laugh too uh and her demise it really uh settled the debate uh for me of you know is this going to be a good horror movie and then i watched it and i was left slack jawed and speechless and i could only think yep 
this is gonna be a wild ride and i sat up a bit in my chair you know so i could i could pay full attention to this insanity on screen and so while the gals are settling in at the college the college the the cottage uh we, we follow poo around uh the now terrifying hangout that has like half-eaten carcasses, cosses. Uh, it's, it's a joke. Uh, I'll get to that. Yeah, no, uh, this is hanging from the rafters, and there are jars and jars of honey, like just littering every shelf. And and all the, the like, there's these skeletons hanging from the rafters, like I said, one of which is Mary, like the Christopher Robin's, you know, future wife. She's like, they've already like stripped her of all of her flesh, and, and she's just like a, like a, like meaty skeleton, which they like, like he drags out and like throws in front of Christopher while he's like tied up because he's just a hostage now because he wants him to suffer which just oh man yeah and like and then so like now we know why like we know how they've survived we know why the cops aren't finding any of the body the, the bodies <laughs> it's, uh it's, it's a joke like it's a joke from uh what we do in the shadows this company on fx and and one of the characters pronounces it bodies um so then, then that was that was the thing with the cacosses instead of carcasses it's cause uh so uh i'll get back to this the, the movie at hand so from there uh we follow these five gals and at uh, the cottage and and when Pooh and Piglet wander by, uh, they decide that they don't like people being so close to their home because the cottage is actually pretty pretty close by to where their like treehouse and their like slash junkyard is. I guess they've been stealing stuff, um, and they just go all out. I was pleasantly shocked at the different deaths and the practical effects of the low budget movie. I mean, they're still absolutely mind blowing. Uh, in that interview with Amber Thorne, like I said that she that I watched it, she said that it was about eighty five percent practical effects and and like only the obvious the kills like had some CGI added in post, like you know an eyeball popping out of somebody's head and all the gory stuff like that. the The rest was genuine art being made on screen practical effects requires so much detail and it's all makeup and prosthetics and on uh, a low budget it makes the movie that much more amazing and we'll, we'll talk about the budget in the box office in a moment uh, I mean it's even more impressive when you know the numbers so like, we'll get on in it so uh, the gals start to meet their doom uh, at the blood and honey soaked hands of Winnie the Pooh and Piglet uh, starting with Laura played by Natasha Tazzini uh, this is where we get that iconic and sensational scene uh the photo that went viral of laura in the hot tub and you have like Pooh and piglet ominously standing behind her and it was it was the popularity of these uh scene photos on social media that made uh the director frank waterfield frack waterfield decide to invest uh some more time and money on reshoots and final touch-ups to really deliver something that horror fans would enjoy and to that all i can say is like job well done sir absolutely banging movie here uh the rest of the movie unfolds as one would expect from a slasher film uh reaching its climax uh one uh who goes who, it basically go uh, who's going to die next and how one by one uh the cast is dealt a killing blow from either piglet or poo until there are only two finalists fighting to survive and take the title as the final girl um i don't know don't want to spoil it uh the whole movie so that's that's all i'm going to say about the like the 
the plot and I'm going to focus on everything that I loved about this amazing slasher movie. And it's just that this movie is a classic slasher masterpiece in every single category and i did i did some research to to verify these categories we've got Pooh and piglet towering around in the background very halloween friday the 13th i get this mix of jason blended with michael myers vibe from Pooh. uh you know six feet tall this menacing this like plain you know it's this plaid red shirt it's like this plaid shirt it's 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 red with like yellow lines and which they did a good job like he's in a red shirt but people were like oh no don't, don't put him in a red shirt um but they did they got away with it in these blue overalls and it's like 100 it's on display in this uh, one of my favorite scenes of the movie there's this showdown uh between Pooh and this group of heroic hillbillies um that is absolutely amazing to watch and it's such a good homage to the halloween movies very much like the scene from uh halloween kills when the gang when they gang up on michael and then he just lets loose and wrecks everyone that's what Pooh does in this scene and it's just a series of oh oh shit moments just watching him deliver these brutal blows uh absolutely amazing next on the list of you know why it's classic slasher masterpiece the victim pool is exactly what you'd expect young and attractive unaware of their 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 surroundings i mean granted there's no sex or drugs or any of that like the standard but Pooh and piglet don't care about that they just don't like people getting close to their home which sometimes is good enough uh i mean it's very texas chainsaw massacre you know you just stumbled onto my property and i'm gonna kill you uh the third which which brings us to the third category the setting a remote cottage in the country right next to some terrifying woods perfect slasher hunting grounds uh, I mean, literally, this movie checks every box for the classic slasher horror movie. Uh, slowly killing the cast one by one, check. Uh, killing everyone in a gortastic fashion, check. And the final girl, literally a checkbox of like every checkbox of the slasher franchise. Like I said, I did a deep dive on articles and forum posts to put that checklist together. And like you can Google the checklist. It's the points that everyone agrees on, including including Randy Meeks. Uh, it's these the gold stars that the, it's all these gold stars that make me gush about this movie so much. Some of the best horror movies ever are from the slasher genre and follow not maybe not all but some of these rules and they use practical effects over cgi because of small budgets and it's like a recipe uh, that when followed properly with a you know care and attention to detail it delivers some of the most successful memorable horror movies ever produced and in my opinion uh winnie the pooh blood and honey has a place up there uh with the other slasher classics just absolutely Absolutely. Now let's talk about uh, budget and the, the box office and the reception of this amazing movie. Uh, it was reported in most of the articles that I read that the budget was quote under a hundred thousand uh, dollars. However, in the interview with Amber Thorne, uh, she said that the budget she heard was roughly thirty thousand pounds, which is only thirty-seven thousand dollars USD, which is significantly less than a hundred thousand dollars. And unless they spent more than the shooting budget on the advertisement budget, with I which I highly doubt 
uh, it's a lot less than $100,000 and it makes it even more impressive what they were able to pull off. The practical effects alone are stunning. And if somebody told me that just those cost $100,000, I would believe them. They put together incredibly talented cast and crew and all, all of these individuals who were able to craft a goddamn masterpiece. And, you know, I'm thankful that I'm not alone in thinking that. The movie has been getting amazing press and horror fans are absolutely loving the loving the movie um you know unfortunately there are always going to be critics and average moviegoers that think it's a bad movie or i don't know why are they doing this they have no original ideas i mean but it, i mean it is original idea you're taking something and turning it into something new and original um but you know if you know i'll just I'll just disagree with them. If you say that this is a bad movie, I'll simply disagree with you and I will direct them to listen to the last 10 minutes of reasons of why I disagree, but that's their opinion. They can dislike the movie all they want. It doesn't make it any less good in my eyes, nor does it make it uh, any less ticket sales. You know, it doesn't make them any less impressive for less than $100,000. The worldwide box office for Blood and Honey is a whopping $4.1 million absolutely fucking amazing which has already greenlit the sequel the film ends on some ominous words of Pooh will return and according to amber thorne we can look forward to seeing uh more characters like owl and rabbit in the sequel uh unfortunately we probably won't get to see tigger because of the uh the, like i said the complex layer of copyright that is around him most of his uh copyright animation and all of that is still held by uh disney so so it's it's a it's a, it's a tricky line to walk there, um, but what's amazing is Frank Frack Waterfield has confirmed already that he's penning the script for the sequel and aiming for a February 2024 release. Uh, so here's hoping that they're already filming the sequel and having a blast doing it. Um, I was uh, like I said, according to the interviews and articles that I read, uh, the actors were directed to be um, serious in their roles. Uh, it's about life and death and madness and they all took this to heart and they delivered solid performances right um though it was a challenge at times according to some of these interviews with the director and the actors um the cast and crew would regularly burst out laughing at lines with poo um you know like poo no you know it's, it's poo stuff like that um, and when doing shots with all the dripping honey, um, which sounds like it would make everyone so sticky. So bless them for doing all that hard work um, out in the cold woods late at night, 16 hour days of shooting, um, sticky with honey, with fake blood, running through the woods, screaming uh, until you're like your throat is hoarse. Like that does not sound like my cup of tea. So, you know, bless them for all their hard work and and everything that they put into making this movie amazing and apparently the sequel has five times the budget so if they were able to pull this off with like like forty thousand dollars basically thirty thousand pounds thirty seven thousand usd um which is like i'll take that from like like somebody who was actually involved with the 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 project um as being like more accurate than less than a hundred thousand um so i mean even if you take in like an extra ten thousand for advertising that's still forty seven thousand you're still under fifty thousand like they made a masterpiece for fifty thousand dollars if you like they 
I take it at the end of the day, you round up to a whole number. Um, if they have five times that budget for the sequel, I, you know, I really hope they stick to practical effects. Um, they're going to need a new cast. <laughs> like I said, you get down to two finalists. I don't want to spoil it, but you have to have a final girl. Um, so like you, you're going to need a whole new cast except Pooh and Piglet. Um, and like I said, we're going to get to see more characters. Um, that's what, that's what Amber Thorne said in her interview that we're going to get to see owl and rabbit. So that's really cool. Um, maybe they can, you know, create some other animal hybrids. They can create some original characters that are just, you know, part of the design. That'd be pretty cool. Um, hopefully they expand on the set pieces a bit. Uh, we can see, more in depth maybe stuff like that i could i could go on forever about um you know what i what i would hope to see in the sequel um but i honestly i love this movie like i said classic slasher masterpiece uh that was made here uh it has an 84 minute runtime it it really doesn't lag at any point it there's some really good jump scares the 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 horror the gore um it's it's right on display and it's everything that i love in these types of movies and that's where i'm gonna end today's show just on a really high note loved this movie uh if you liked it if you didn't like it drop me a comment throw me a message um let me know uh, i loved it let me know if you loved it or if you didn't love it uh let me know why we can have a discussion we can have a conversation i'm always open for debate this has been episode seven season two of the nerd review the nerd review of winnie the pooh blood and honey i hope you have enjoyed today's episode i hope you've enjoyed all the episodes here on the nerd review and this is the nerd signing off